John chapter 15. And as you're turning there, John chapter 15 introduced to you our new series that we begin today that's entitled Relationships. And we're going to start with the most important relationship that a person can have, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our text will be John chapter 15. You know, we are created in God's image, and God Himself exists in relationship. And because we are created in God's image, we are built for relationships. In fact, we are constantly, always engaged in various relationships. Our lives are full of them, and and that's good because we were built, we were designed for them. Now, when we use the word relationship, I want to be sure that you understand uh, what we're talking about. The word relationship, it, it means a connection with something or an association with something. When you have a relationship to something or to someone, you have a certain level of involvement in their lives. So when we think about over the next several weeks, this idea of relationships, we're, we're going to see things that Jesus told us that we are to have some connection with or some association with or, or that which we are to be involved with, something that is to occupy a rather important place in our lives. Now, if we were perfect people, and if we lived in a perfect world, we would always have a perfect perspective, and we would always enjoy perfect relationships. But how many of you are married to an imperfect person? The rest of you can repent for lying later on. Or you grew up in a perfect family. No, no, no. Since Genesis chapter 3, we have been involved in imperfect relationships. The relationships that we have are disconnected. They are not, they, they, we have trouble getting uh, involved. Uh, they, they are marred by our faults and our sins. Well, Jesus knew what it was like to have relationships as well. He had a special relationship with a group of men who followed him. And when you come to John chapters 13 through 17, the the events that take place in that chapter, they all take place around the same time, consecutively, in the same place. In fact, uh, you'll see that, that scholars or theologians refer to John chapters 13 through 17 as the upper room discourse. And what, what's taking place in that section of text, in those, those chapters, is that Jesus is in the upper room, and it's right before his death. In fact, this is the last time that he will have the disciples together as a unit before the crucifixion. And so as he, as he has these conversations with them, now there are, are multiple perspectives that you can take or multiple angles in which you can look at this text. And in fact, several themes will jump out to you. And as I was uh, reading over these chapters and kind of studying them over the last several months, uh, a theme began to emerge as I began to look at that. And, and that theme was relationships. In in these chapters, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, in these chapters, in this upper room discourse, 
Jesus speaks to the relationships that his followers are to have with various subjects and aspects of life. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of relationships. For example, Jesus does not address the relationship between a husband and a wife, but that's an important relationship. But he doesn't address that relationship in these chapters. This is not an exhaustive database of relationship. However, the relationships that he does mention are obviously important. Otherwise, he would not have mentioned them. And so over the next several weeks, I want us to to work through parts of these chapters on Sunday mornings, and I want to to bring to your attention six relationships over the, not not this morning, one relationship today, but over the course of the next six weeks, six relationships that jump out to me from these chapters that Jesus indicates we need to know about and and relationships we need to make sure we have right. Today, the, the focus is on our relationship with Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, very simply, because it is the single most important relationship a person will ever have. And the reason it's so important is that it not only impacts your life here, but it impacts your life hereafter. If you don't have this relationship with Jesus correct, if it's not right, the other relationships you have won't really matter. This is the only relationship that will last throughout all of eternity. You see, this is the relationship that we had a hand in messing up, and it was totally our fault. You know, if it's a problem between two people, most of the time, both of them have done something wrong. But in this relationship with God, it is we and we alone who did the wrong. We were created in in perfect relationship with God. Genesis 1 and 2, everything is fine, but then sin comes into play, and our relationship with God is ruined. And so God's solution for that ruined relationship is to send His Son, Jesus Christ, who will live a perfect life. He will live in perfect relationship with the Father so that our relationship with God can be mended and restored And that broken relationship can be fixed. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at what Jesus said in John chapter 15 about our relationship with himself. Read through the text, point out a couple things as we move through it, and then once we read through these verses, just make a couple of real brief statements that kind of summarize what Jesus is talking to us about here when we understand our relationship with Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you will, John chapter 15, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. You see, our fallen, finite minds cannot fully grasp the dynamics of the relationship with Jesus as he sees it and as he perceives it and understands it. And so Jesus will often use metaphors to help us understand our relationship with him. And here he uses the imagery of a vine because grapevines were everywhere, vineyards were everywhere in ancient Israel. Jesus states, 
His role in relationship, he is the vine, and the father is the vine dresser. You see, the vine dresser was the one who cultivated and managed the vine. And so on earth, the son, Jesus, the vine, was in perfect relationship and existed in perfect submission to the authority of the father, the vine dresser. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So now the branches are introduced, the branches are us, and we'll talk more about that in more detail later. But notice that Jesus identified a couple of different branches. Not every branch bears good fruit, and as a result, God, as the vine dresser, takes away that branch. Now, that, when, you th- when you hear the phrase, take away, that makes you think of somebody that's throwing something away, somebody that's discarding something, and I don't believe that's what Jesus meant in this text. In fact, the phrase used for take away in the Greek can also be translated to lift up. Now, if you've ever dealt with any kind of produce with vines, watermelons was our thing in the sticks of South Arkansas, and, and what would happen is, is sometimes that the, 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 the branches of that vine would not be exposed to the sun the right way, something wrong with it would be producing fruit. And so the owner of the vineyard would lift up that vine and put it to where it could receive the proper nourishment that it needs. I I think that's what Jesus is getting at here is is we are always works under construction and and sometimes we get a little stalled in our relationship with Jesus and sometimes he has to move us around. Has he ever done that with you? He's kind of moved you around a little bit. He's had to, to get you into a place to where you realized how desperately you needed him and he had to maybe lift you up so you could be exposed to some more sunlight from him. And those are the, 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 the branches that, that uh, have trouble bearing fruit. But then there are branches, he said, that do bear fruit and they experience a, a pruning. That's the idea of, of something that's being cleansed or something that's being trimmed so that it can be purified. When, when we bear fruit, God continually cleans us up so that we can bear more fruit for the glory of God. So the roles in the relationship are established. We are the branches. He is the vine. Look at verse 4. He's going to reinforce this. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. We'll come back just a second to that. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now it's important for me to point out to you in verse 6 that you understand as we move on. 
Jesus is not teaching here that branches, that those branches that are tossed away are people who were once true believers, but because they didn't bear fruit, they wind up in hell. That's not what he's teaching. Jesus, in fact, is speaking not to those who abide, but in that verse, he's talking to those who do not abide. The branches that are tossed away, I believe, are those people who appear to be disciples, but they really didn't abide with him in the first place. In fact, in that group of 12, there's one of them just like that. Remember his name? It rhymes with Moodus. <laughs> Judas, right. Judas appeared like he was connected, but he never was connected to Christ in the first place. Verse 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." When we are properly abiding, our prayers will align with God's will. Therefore, as we pray, as we uh, let the words of Christ abide in us, when we pray, whatever we pray for will be done because our prayers are aligned with God's will. And ultimately, the ultimate purpose of us being connected to Jesus and bearing fruit for Jesus is not just to get us to heaven by the hair of our chin and chin chin. It's not just to get us to heaven by the skin of our teeth. The ultimate purpose of Jesus saving us is to glorify his name. This is why he says, as we bear fruit in verse 8, we will bring glory to God. Now let's revisit. Go back and look at verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Okay, these verses make it very plain, very clear. The relationship is established. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. The relationship he wants us to have with him is where he is the vine and we are the branches. <clears throat> of all the images that Jesus could have used to picture our relationship with him, this imagery is most striking in how it shows us that we are completely and utterly dependent upon Jesus, and we need a constant connection to him. And when that relationship is present, it changes everything. Think about the implications of this relationship. Think about the difference that it makes. In fact, I want to make to you real quick three statements about Jesus as the vine. First is this. Jesus as the vine is the source. Okay, he is the source. The source of what? The source of everything. 
Jesus as the vine is the source of everything. That's why John 15 tells us, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now the opposite, the other side of that coin, if apart from, get this, if apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, then connected to Jesus, we can do anything as we're connected to the vine. But understand this morning, we cannot substitute anything in the place of Jesus. Presidents are not the source. Politics are not the source. Our portfolios are not the source. Our possessions are not the source. Our personality is not the source. Our performance is not the source. Jesus is the source. It's all about him. Now, that doesn't mean that these other things are not important. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pay attention to them and be concerned about them. Rather, we cannot and we must not make anything or anyone the source of our lives except Jesus. He is the vine. We are the branches. Zig Ziglar is famous for saying this. Someone asked him what was the most important thing that he could say about life. He said, I really know only three things about life. One, there is a God. Two, it's not me. And three, it's not you. (laughs) We have to remember, don't forget who you are. And don't forget who Jesus is. He is the source. But secondly, Jesus as the vine is the sustainer. You see, the branch cannot survive on its own. The branch, we cannot provide for ourselves. We must rely on the vine to sustain our life. Just as the branch relies on that vine for sustenance, so we must rely on Jesus for our sustenance to sustain us. You see, the fact that Jesus is the source of life demands that he sustain life. Jesus will always sustain that which he is the source of. In him we find life, and in him we are sustained throughout life. So what that means is that that he is ultimately in control. He's the sustainer. He is ultimately in charge regardless. Think about that vineyard. Regardless of what's happening around that branch, it is the vine that determines how that branch is sustained. It doesn't matter what's around it. The vine is essential. And as we look at our lives, take heart this morning, friend, to know this, that as we look around us, it doesn't matter what's around us because the vine is our sustenance. He is in charge. You can take heart because Jesus has taken charge. He's the sustainer of our life. He's the source. He's the sustainer. And here's number three. He's the solution. As the vine, he is the solution. We said at the outset that this relationship was something that we messed up and that we can't fix. A branch cannot fix 
itself without the vine. The vine is the solution. And as we think about Jesus, we think about the relationship that we messed up. We realize that it can be fixed because Jesus was the perfect vine. There's a word that's repeated a couple of times in this text. It's the word abide. Let me remind you what Jesus said in verse 4. He said, abide in me and I in you. Verse 5, whoever abides in me, but let's stop there, and I in him. You see, this idea of, of, of abiding, it's found in a mutual relationship. Jesus says, abide in me and I abide in you. It's not just the sinner who abides in Jesus. It is Jesus who also abides in the sinner. And that is our solution. You see, the words that Jesus used indicate to us that we have a choice. Abiding is something we must choose. It is the solution that is available to everyone today, but it's a solution that we must receive. And once we receive it, we are brought into a right relationship with Christ the vine and that relationship then completely hinges upon him. And the good news of that this morning is simply this. If it completely depends upon him, the only way that relationship is severed is if he chooses to do so, and he has promised to never do so. That's the relationship we have with Jesus. He is the source of everything the source of life, the sustainer of life, the solution for our sin, the solution for our life is found in him. So I want to ask you this morning very simply, what about your relationship with Jesus Christ? This is what Jesus desires for us to be the branches who belong to him. What about your relationship with Jesus? Are you one of his branches? Has there been a time in your life when you accepted the solution? Have you chosen to be connected to him? How can a person be connected to Christ? Simply because of what Jesus did. Has there ever been a time in your life, whether you're sitting here or watching us online this morning, I want you to think about this question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you confessed your sins to God? Where you said something to the effect of, God, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I agree with what you have said about my sin. I stand separated from you. And God, I can't do this on my own, but I believe that you sent Jesus to save me. I believe he lived a perfect life. I believe he died a death of sacrifice for me on the cross. I believe that you brought him out of the tomb, and today I trust him to be my Savior. 
Has there been a time in your life when you've called out to God something to that effect? There are no magic words other than your confession and repentance of sin. If there's never been a time in your life that you've done that, in just a minute, we're going to pause for 30 seconds. And within those 30 seconds, if you've never prayed a prayer like that to Jesus and meant it from your heart, we invite you to make that your prayer right where you are, sitting in a pew, sitting at home, wherever you are. We're going to invite you to pray that prayer, something like that prayer to Jesus. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, and I'm thankful if you pray. I've prayed something like that in, 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 in my life as well. But sometimes I start to think that maybe I would do a better job as the vine. Sometimes I begin to think that maybe I have uh, something figured out better than God, and sometimes I try to take the place of Jesus as the Lord of my life. And it never works out. <laughs> How about you, if you've already made Jesus your Lord and Savior? Is there an area of your life that you need to surrender to Jesus? In these next 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes right where you are. In these next 30 seconds, whatever decision you need to make, pray to God, cry out to God, make that decision as you pray to God and He'll honor it. Would you bow your heads right where you are for 30 seconds? made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you're here today or you're watching us this morning and you came to realize that you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but in that space of time, you cried out to God and asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. We, we want to celebrate that with you. And, and I know we're still in this awkward, uh, socially, physically distanced time where we're not having our typical uh, invitation or time of commitment. But what you can do to let us know that you made that decision, or maybe it was another decision you made, you can let us know that you made that decision in, in a couple of ways. You, you can look at the pew in front of you and you'll see a yellow card. It's, it's called a next step card. And you can just take that card in these next few moments and, and fill out the information. Let us know the decision that you made. As you leave today, just drop that in the offering boxes that are located out here. Just drop that in the box and they'll get that uh, to me. And, and, and we will follow up with you very soon as you decide to take that next step. If you're online with us, of course, you can't grab a yellow next step card. But if you're online with us this morning, you can go to fbcmilton.org slash next steps. fbcmilton.org slash next steps. That card is online for you. You can do that as well here if you're two in the sanctuary. You're ready to do it online. Go online. Complete that information. It comes directly to me. We want to help you take that next step that God's calling you to take. If you made that decision or any decision today, let us know so we can rejoice with you and give you some resources as you seek to be who God has called you to be.